Hey, everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for another exciting episode of On the Lighter Side of Baseball. And yes, number four, year number four. Wow, can you believe it? Lou Gehrig's number in years of podcasting, episode one, year four. Wow, another 15 years and I'll catch friends. Woohoo, that's great. Anyway, speaking of friends, let me segue into one of our guests today, and it's our only guest today. It's going to be none other than Craig Kashan, back for year four. Thank goodness, because I don't want to say the ratings were sliding without Craig, but, uh, you know, it wasn't that uh, much fun, although I had a lot of notes from people in Texas and California and Florida and Hawaii saying, hey, keep it up. We enjoy it. It's like uh, going out and having a brewski with you, except uh, we can't really give you our opinion. We just listen to your tirades against the Cubs and the commissioner. They're more of the same. More of the same for 2022. Wow. I hope everybody had a great New Year's. Uh, out with the old, in with the new. Uh, 2021 was really good, I suppose. There were some unfortunate lost family members, some unfortunate losses in the baseball community. And, um, you know, for the rest of us, life goes on, and we're just thankful that we're able to talk, put this together, have a few guests for the year, and hopefully have Major League Baseball. What do you think? You think they're going to play? Well, they're too greedy not to play. They're all greedy, greedy, greedy. Uh, (laughs) It's just that... These guys that play, and uh, apparently some of the guys that broadcast, have the unfortunate belief that Major League Baseball is a democracy. It's not a democracy. It's a, it's a fiefdom, 30 different fiefdoms. Is, is fiefdom a word? I don't know. Little kingdoms, little... Um, fortunes that they're all making. And yeah, a new guy will come in every now and then and he'll want to win. You know, it's just nature. The new guys pay a lot of money. Maybe they have a group. The group says, hey, man, you know, we want to win. We want to be in the clubhouse spraying champagne with, the, with, the, with those gazillionaires. And so that happens. It happened to... Mr. Antanasio, uh, who happens to own the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, It happened when Jerry Reinsdorf and Eddie Einhorn originally bought the White Sox in the early 80s. They wanted to win. It'll happen with uh, Cone, who paid $4 billion, billion, B-I-L-L-I-O-N, billion bucks for the Mets. And then he went out and spent another billion bucks on signing guys. He doesn't have any problem with uh, economics. He bought the Mets and the broadcast rights for $4 billion. Now, that's 2021 when that deal went down. Let's flash back to 1984, 85, 86. Ewing Kaufman the owner of the world champion Kansas City Royals, the 1985 
World Series champions led by Dick Hauser, George Brett, Frank White, Hal McRae, Willie Wilson, Dennis Leonard, Paul Splittorf, on and on and on. Great teams. You think Brett made $43 million? No. You think he made $40 million? No. He didn't make diddly. But did he bitch all the time? No. Reference Mr. Scherzer, who went on the air to complain about the inequities in baseball and the inequities in the salary structure. My, oh, my. A guy like Ian Happ just barely struggles. Happ, who I'm continually on his butt because he sucks. He has made, in five years, over $5 million. Woo-hoo. Well, I tell you what, give me a million dollars a year for this podcast, and I'm one happy guy. Yeah. So here's Ian Happ. He's hit like 230, 220, 240. His best year was 251. He's making millions of dollars in Scherzer. Oh, the 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 general first, the second class free agents. Not the studs like me and my old buddy Nolan Arenado. No. That was kind of like how I used to say Nolan Ryan. Maybe it wasn't me that said that. I don't know. But here's Hap. And he's, you know, making, struggling by on a million a year. Here's Lorenzo Cain, who plays center field in a small market, whatever that is anymore, Milwaukee Brewers, and uh, played for the Royals and played for the Brewers, won a World Series in 2015 with the Kansas City Royals. Woo-hoo! Every uh, 30 or 40 years they win. Anyway, um, he's making... 14 million, 15 million, 16 million, but he hit 303, 315. You got to produce, dude. You know, Scherzer's theory is, well, my God, they're taking advantage of everybody we need to put on a show. If we didn't have those guys, then how could I make $43 million? Because there would be a lot of holes in the infield if we didn't have any players. Yeah, you're right, Max. You were right. That University of Missouri Tiger education has come in handy for you. Anyway. Back to Ewing Kaufman winning the championship in 1985. He wanted to sell the team for 21 million bucks. Why didn't I buy the team? Now, could I afford to run the team? Probably not. But man, I bet I'd find somebody who wanted to be my partner. Who wouldn't want to be my partner at, you know, $21 million today, the Royals? On a bad day, they're worth a billion because that's what Mr. Sherman, not Sherman and Peabody, but John Sherman, the current owner of the Royals, paid a billion. So, so Mr. Reinsdorf, I think your team's worth The, the point is, um, the, 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 it's not a democracy. It, it's like, wait a minute, are, what's the grievance? Now, there is one grievance that I agree with, with old Max. And that is the inequity in the team's salary payroll structure, which then uh, translates into, you know, teams not wanting to win. Now, Scherzer and Arenado 
and some of these other union greedy suckers. And they're no bigger greedy suckers than the owners, so I I'm not taking any side in this deal. They all deserve what they get, and that is fiefdoms, not democracy, fiefdoms. And they get a lot of fans to show up and pay a hell of a lot more money than my dad paid when he took me to the White Sox games, in 19, in, including the 1959 World Series where I think my ticket stub, I could go dig it out of my box. I think it was like $8 to see the World Series. Oh, my goodness, things have changed. Anyway, now, under yeah, you say, look, under that scenario, Mr. Uretsky, you know, stud lawyer that you were, trial guy, partner in your firms all along, three different firms, three partners. Yeah, under that scenario, you know, you're probably worth $10,000 a year. Okay, all right, so things are stretched out. I get it. Max Scherzer doesn't get it. No, I'm not picking on Max any more than I'd pick on Nolan Arenado because these guys are just living in fantasy land. Now, they're going to get something. But it's it's gonna get derailed by the big town um, cities that are tired of paying under the luxury cap, paying and subsidizing these quote small market teams. Now, number one, get rid of the nomenclature of small market. There isn't such a thing. Okay, yeah, Craig Kishan will be on, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna call in and. 25 minutes, and I, I won't talk that whole long. But, yeah, for those of you who say, wait, Jamie, cool it, dude. I mean, get Craig on the phone because you're getting kind of like you were last year at the end, kind of nasty. I'm not. I'm having a great time. I'm just saying that if the players think that it is a democracy and that their good arguments are going to hold up, then the players and Scott Boris can go take a hike. I mean, come on. These guys, the big boys, signed a ton of money. Now, here's, here's the irony in it. Because Scherzer signed for that much money with the Mets, of course, Cohen doesn't care, um, it doesn't leave much money for poor old Ian Happ or poor old whoever. But these guys, if you produce, you get paid. Now, if you don't produce... There's somebody coming up that will produce. So anyway, it's the age-old struggle. And to have a work stoppage, it could only come about by three stooges. That's right. Another TV show from the 50s and 60s, Mo, Larry, Curly. And there was a fourth one. Now, they did call it the four stooges. They should have. No, it was the three stooges. But there was Mo. There was Larry, there was Curly, and the fourth guy was like, not hemp, because I don't think he'd be named after marijuana, but uh, Mo, Larry, Curly, and one other guy. Now, he came in and out, kind of like, uh, uh, you know, Glennon, the quarterback for the Giants, has had like, he, he kind of comes in and goes out, gets $10 million for absolutely the worst quarterback rating in the history of the league going to their OQR or whatever the hell it is. Anyway, Hal Glennon and some of these backups, Chad Henney, they they come in, they come out, just like the fourth stooge. So off the top of my head, the three stooges are Scott Boris. Now, 
he'd be a rich stooge. You know, he's probably making right around uh, commissioner money. That'd be the second stooge. So we got Mo, that's Boris. We got uh, Curly, uh, and that is uh, Mighty Manfred the Wonder Dog. And then you've got Larry, Mo, Larry, Curly. Uh, that would have to be the head of the union, Tony whatever his name is. Now, he's probably making $15 million a year, too, like DeMorris uh, in the NFL. They're all getting rich. And God bless them. That's great. But quit moaning about the system. Quit moaning that, you know, teams aren't motivated to win. Well, I went back and looked at the American League pennant winners from 1948 to 19, to the expansion, 62. Yankees, 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 White Sox, Yankees, Yankees, Indians, Yankees, 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 Indians. The Orioles, the Tigers, the Kansas City A's, they didn't win, they didn't care. Now, they, they, they wanted, they guess they wanted to win, but Charlie Finley wanted to put butts in the seats and make a little money. That was it. That was the name of the game. The owners wanted to make money. Wow. Now, they, it's the same deal. They don't really care. The owner of the Orioles doesn't give a hoot if he wins the World Series. He, he doesn't care if he wins the pennant. He doesn't really care if he wins the division. Although, you know, winning and getting into the playoffs, you get a little more money. So to that extent, he cares. But by and large, he cares that he's part of MLB Network. He has joint ventured with Fanatics so that they have an equity position in all the uniforms, in all the hats, in all the shoes. Yeah, that's right. John Sherman makes money off of the uniforms that Fanatics sells to, ML, to MLB teams, and he gets a cut of that, just like the union gets a cut of that. You know, they're moaning and groaning. They're getting a cut of everything, and now the... Uh, Fanatics signed a licensing agreement with MLB, and and oh by the way, shrewdly, the CEO of Fanatics gave MLB and the union an equity position in that. Oh my goodness! So in addition to the licensing money that they get, they now own part of. Tops, because as soon as as soon as the CEO for Fanatics cut the legs out of Tops Trading Card Company and gutted them like they did with Fox TV and the guru that owns Fox and doesn't live in the U.S. You know the guy, Mr. Liberal. What they did then was okay, Tops. You don't have Diddley, we'll buy it for 500 million bucks. A drop in the old bucket now. A lot of money back when, when uh, the Kansas City Royals were trying to be sold by Ewing Kaufman, right? Yeah. So anyway, it's all. Now, I, I, really, I know you guys, if we were out there having a beer together, you'd probably get in a few more words because I wouldn't talk as much. Yeah, maybe I would. But... This isn't a newsflash that it's all about money. You know, the players can bitch. Scherzer makes like a million dollars an hour. 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, let's say he appears in 30 games. So he makes a million and a half an appearance. Not bad. Give me, give me, give me. I'll take it. Anyway, he's got a skill. He's good. Hey, no question about it. Bryce Harper, skill, good. Oh, poor Chris Bryant. They, they toyed with him by not bringing him up right away. Too bad. You know? So turn your back and do whatever. They're, they're, their, they're their own little corporations now. They're not part of a team. You know, uh, Lindor, Baez, all these guys, man. All they, they, they're just little enterprises. And that's fine. But don't get caught up in it, what they're caught up in. So they have a network. They have every product. They have equity positions in every product that a major league player wears. They share that with the union to make sure that the union wouldn't say no. And now they have gambling. And the players want to figure out how they can get the share of gambling. And they don't want to be partners like the NBA does with the players. No, the, 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 they're fine being servants. They just want to be paid like gazillionaires. They don't want to worry about edit, uh, somehow um, going in and doing an audit on the books. They, just, they, they don't care if the owner goes broke. Some other guy will come up. Just like, you know, it's, it's harder to find a Max Scherzer than it is to find an owner for the uh, California Angels. But it's an interesting game. And... It's going to all play out in this stupid little... They don't even have a negotiating uh, session planned. Um, here we are. You know, about a month from now, players start wandering into spring training camps, and uh, they ain't going to be able to wander into a spring training camp. And, of course, they don't care until they start losing uh, their salary, which doesn't happen until game one. Well, they get... A little bit for spring training, but here we go again. Players, it's just not fair. The owners, well, it's our game. We're going to do what we want. So, you know, Marvin Miller and Bud Selig and um, the predecessor to Marvin Miller, who was the uh, Chicago or the Kansas City lawyer, um, those guys did a nice job. They got along together. Yeah, Bud Selig. And um, the Kansas City lawyer, who I really ought to be able to fear. Fear no evil. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about Nellie, that laugh, because Nellie laugh. Um, okay, we've been going for I don't know how long, maybe half an hour, not quite. I've had fun. Now, I have managed to be light and airy, yet definitive and decisive. Educational. So maybe you've learned a little bit about, I don't know what, you've learned a little bit about, uh, we're not going to have baseball starting, you know, spring training's not going to get underway very quickly. Um, Ian Happ on uh, 67, the score goes, well, you know, the, play, the owners never ever once put forth any type of an economic offer. And so when we go back to the bargaining table, man, we're back at square one. Now, that's funny because the owners have the same gripe. Well, we gave them a proposal, and they didn't even come back with anything. So 
like in life, unfortunately, because I just don't get the concept, these guys lie. Mighty Manfred the Wonder Dog. Oh, my God. I can call him that. And then when Craig gets on, he's probably got to be a little more careful. Because even more careful than a month ago. Because Ken Rosenthal, who's a pretty good sideline reporter, where's the bow tie? You know that guy? The bow tie. I mean, he's better than the drivel that comes out of the Sports Illustrated writer that now thinks he's a batting coach. And you know who he is. I talk about him all the time. He and Costas just, you know, uh, amuse themselves on every interview they do. And um, now I've covered every pet peeve, I'm sure. But going back to Ken Rosenthal got fired for being critical about uh, Manfred. Oh, my God. Luckily, the Major League Baseball did never listen to my podcast or sponsor my podcast or pay me. I, I'd have been fired a long time ago because Manfred... Um, it's like his 30 bosses. He just wants money. It's like the, it's like the NCAA. You think the former uh, investigator for the NCAA living happily in Overland Park, Kansas, doing his job, trying to get SMU the death penalty. Yeah, none other than Jim Delaney and all the other guys that were down here in the, quote, enforcement branch of the NCAA. And then the NCAA moved its offices out of Kansas City over to Indianapolis, where they remain today, doing what I don't know other than going to the bank. Because they all, each, each conference basically started their own TV network. Texas started its own network, and they can't get out of the Big 12 fast enough. They're heading to the, I guess they're going to the SEC with Oklahoma. I don't know. But... The Big Ten started the Big Ten Network and paid the commish, who's in charge of student-athletes, trying to keep them from going home to Grandma's funeral on a loan from the coach. No, no, no. We cannot buy pizza for the girls' softball team after they win a Division Four series. No, no, no. That's illegal. You will be sanctioned, maybe even suspended, but I will take my $10 million to the bank every year for being the Big Ten commissioner. And now, by the way, I'm going to retire. And they gave me a $20 million going away present. Woohoo! Boy, did I do uh, good with my uh, protection of the student athlete. <laughs> it's a joke. And it's the same thing in baseball. The commissioner ain't, he's not protecting anything. Bowie Kuhn, who just got ripped all the time, Bowie uh, tried to protect the game. He voided trade after trade after trade between Finley and the Yankees and invoked in the best interest of the game clause. Now, fast forward to 2000 and whatever. There ain't no best interest of the game, man. You can unload an entire team, and I'm not going to get into the Cubs. You can unload an entire team. There was a guy that wanted to win, Ricketts. He bought the team, tried to win, won. I didn't give a shit. Now all he wants to do is, you know, whatever he wants to do. I don't know. Wow, this has been a great first segment. We're going to have a little music provided by Tyler over there in Honolulu. And uh, when we come back, as promised, we're going to have none other than Craig Kishan, the voice of the Milwaukee Bucks and the Milwaukee Brewers. So for 
the lighter side of baseball, and it's been fun. Episode one A. We're about to do episode one B. So stay tuned. It's going to be a gas, and uh, I appreciate all the comments I got in the off season. And here we go, ready to roll. Maybe we'll have baseball. If we do, we'll pick up the pace. Otherwise, you know, if I can track down a Dwayne Stats, a Bobby Denier, somebody, anybody, Johnny Watham, we'll uh, do it. Try to entertain you guys. So, Jamie Gresky on the live side of baseball for Spotify, for SoundCloud, for Apple, iTunes, and numerous other places where you get your app, your um, podcast. And this is a podcast. You're four. How many podcasts went south after one, two, or three? Not the large side of baseball. So, that's it. Talk to you in a minute. Let's take a break. Hey, everybody. We are back on the live side of baseball, and we are just waiting for Craig Kashan to check in. Uh, I know he's got a busy schedule. The Bucks are on a roll. The Bulls are on a roll. Aaron Rodgers is on a roll. The Wisconsin Badgers are starting the hockey season. Things are exciting in Madison, Wisconsin, and Milwaukee. But we expect our good buddy to be tuning in any second, and I'm sure it'll be a little bit more exciting than um, our opening segment, although I was excited. I thought it was a great segment. Um, and uh, it'll be fun to have Craig. We'll talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame. Manny Minosa got in. Duke Snyder got in. Or Gil Hodges. Duke Snyder's already in. How did the Dodgers ever lose? Man, I mean, Gil Hodges should have gotten in a long time ago. But, I mean, you had Gil Hodges, Jackie Robinson, Pee Wee Reese, uh, Roy Campanella. Man, that's a pretty good uh, little infield uh, before you get to Duke Snyder. Oh, my goodness gracious. Hmm. Wow, what a team. Anyway, we'll talk a little bit about Manny Minosa, about the time he got in. Why is Tommy John not in the Hall of Fame? I don't get it. 288 wins. He's, he's passed a lot of guys, including um, Red Faber, the White Sox, and a number of other guys. I mean, probably a lot of guys. Maybe even, I haven't looked, I don't know the stats, but he probably has more of a wins than Sandy Koufax. And, you know, he's got the surgery named after him. What could be better than that? So I'm going to get Craig here in a minute and let's put you on hold. Oh, hey, everybody. As I promised, the host of Kashan Cast, my former co-host. Now, nah, he's still my co-host, and he's my good friend, Craig Kashan. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> Great, pal. Hey, the uh, none, none of that will ever change. Trust me on that. Oh, I'll tell you what. It's, uh, it's exciting to be back on a podcast. We talked a little bit before we turned on the recorder, and it's... Uh, you know, we need a couple hours and, and a bottle of Tom Seaver wine to catch up. Uh, one of my good buddies sent me a note and said, you know, the, your podcasts are like sitting down and having a beer with you, except I don't get to talk. It's just me talk. It's yeah. Like, it is <clears throat> that, that's pretty good, though, really. I mean, because that's what we're doing now. Yeah. So and they believe me, they like hearing you talk better than me talk. So what, uh, what do you want to talk about? There's no baseball. That's pretty funny. You can get into that. Ken Rosenthal, I don't know if you thought much about him getting fired for, you know, dumping on Mighty Manfred. I said that, um, you know, if if I was sponsored by Major League Baseball or paid in any way, they would have fired me after about a, two podcasts. So I told everybody in the first segment, I'm not going to put Craig on the spot because he can't, you know, it's stupid to criticize. You're not going to rip on Antanasio. I mean, how dumb would that be? But anyway, so Rosenthal apparently bagged on 
Manfred and MLB Network pulled the plug on the Bowtie guy. Well, you know, um, it, it's funny when this when some of this stuff comes up because uh, I don't know if it's because I don't I don't pay attention enough or if there's too much information out there and I just choose not to seek it. I try not I try not to be like somebody who ignores what's going on. Like I know a lot of people that just won't turn on the news because they don't want to they don't want to uh, hear about COVID or they don't want to hear about crime or anything like that. That that kind of stuff, like I don't, I try not to avoid things. But this this stuff uh, with Rosenthal was was kind of news to me, to be honest with you. And um, when I when I read further what it was all you know potentially all about with with Manfred and it going back basically two to three years over time. Um, I do know this people, people don't get fired on the spot anymore because somebody doesn't like you. Um, especially when you're high profile, it takes, it takes a a year or two or three to just kind of, you know, make them go away type of thing. You know, when's the contract up, uh, we're not going to renew it, that type of thing. So, um, I was surprised. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, um, I I respect Ken Rosenthal's work. Um, he he seems to be one of the faces of Major League Baseball covering Major League Baseball. He he clearly is, and for the network to choose not to use him is pretty surprising to me. To be honest with you, I mean he's staying on. He's still covering baseball anyway right. on on Fox and still writing about it for the Athletic and stuff. So I I don't know. You know we're we're not in those rooms and stuff, but it doesn't make much sense to me to not use him on your own network, whether you like him or not. I mean, he's not, no, nobody of his stature is that critical that you can't handle it, but you know, I'm somebody else, I guess. Well, that's going to have, you know, Harold Reynolds already knows which side of the bread is, is the butter's on. And, uh, and yeah, but, but his, his situation though is much different. True. But I mean, he was accused of some gonna, things. He's not going to rip on the negotiations, you know, for Major League dragging their feet and not having a negotiating session. But but Reynolds is, I guess, different. But you know, better watch out. You don't want to. Uh, it's not a democracy. There's no First Amendment right. You better watch what you say, and um, especially if you know if you're working for. Uh, a particular person, you're not, you, you really shouldn't be like, if I was the general manager of the Cubs, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't be there very long if I was bagging on rickets every day. No. And it's a good thing. You don't have that. Uh, you don't have that contract with them. All right. How's Mike? What's going on with the, with the bucks, with the Packers, with the uh, uh, Kashan cast? Well, uh, I, I could start with the last one. We we just did a, another show this morning. We're we're very cash. We we're as opposed we're to not, huh? As opposed to you and me. Yeah, we're 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 very serious. You and me. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I've I've had a lot of people say, "Well, what are your numbers? Uh, how many followers do you have? Uh, who's listening? Where are you available?" and I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't get into it for that. And the, the guy I'm doing it with is my, my technical guru. So I don't even have to worry about it. Um, he's not worried about it. 
we just have a good time talking. Uh, he he's the producer of our of our telecast that we do. So um, he and I have a long time relationship. So it it uh, worked out well, and he really wanted to do it, so he drove it. So that's cool. it's he and I. It's it's hard to you know now you're on social media a lot, and I know that you um, I don't know what it's called tag the lighter side of baseball every now and then because whenever I get notices it's usually from you or brian anderson or somebody that somebody sticks a hashtag on lighter side of baseball i don't know how it happens or why i can look at soundcloud and i can see the people that pick it up from soundcloud but i have no idea on and people tell me you can find out and i like you know i don't have a what do i care although i think i told you having lunch with Reinstorf and he grabs my phone trying to figure out how many followers I have. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there's ways of measuring all that. I, I just have, uh, and, and the guy I do the show with, he, he tracks that stuff, but we were just talking this morning about, we really don't care. Um, we're it. Cause here's the thing. I, I think when you start um, worrying about stuff like that, then it kind of changes what you're doing. And we're just who they are. We're just who we are. And if you want to listen, great. If you want to watch, great. We, we, everything we do, we do live. So if you wanted to be a participant, you could do that too. We, whenever we go on, we're on live on um, on Facebook and YouTube, and then it gets recorded, and then you can listen to it or watch it at at another time. But we we don't care. I mean, it's uh, we get. It's just fun to do. I mean, I, you're in it because of the fun part. I'm I'm in it, so I just flat out enjoy it, and it's not extra work for me. But it keeps me it keeps me um, pertinent, I guess. And it uh, it's not a bad thing to keep talking about sports on the days that you're not working because it makes the days you're working that much better. Yeah, I get too. to put on a headset and I get my mic out and I, exp- I act like I'm a broadcaster. God, if you could only if I could only take a picture of that. That's why we are live on Facebook for a couple of reasons. Number one, I have no idea how you would do that. But yeah, I mean, this is fun. It's, you know, this is a fourth year, dude. Fourth year. Amazing. About 100 and, this is about 145 uh, in terms of the episodes. And so, uh, you know, if anybody, uh, any of my kids have a lot of, hey, let's listen to old dad's voice in the year you know 2092 they can they can do it if they if they want to so it's fun and i you know what i listen to them i i laugh my butt off at some of the you know at some of these podcasts with uh they're fun to go back and listen to and and you'll have your library with uh the kashan cast but i i i enjoy going back and listening to some of the shows we've done so um that's the beauty of them though. I mean, that's why, that's the funny thing about it is because that's why they were created, you know, and I, I live in a live world, you know, and, and I know that when I'm done, like I did a Bucks game last night, I know that I could come back home to the condo and within 15 minutes, it'd be the top of the hour. And my whole night would start over again on replay on our network, but I never watch it, Yeah, <laughs> you right. know? That's I just right. move on to the next live. I'd rather watch a live game, especially if it's close, have a beer, do a little bit of work, whatever it is. And, 
And I'm not, I mean, I'm not a big podcast listener and stuff. Um, yeah. My boys love it, but it's just, I don't know. Maybe well, I'll get to it before, maybe I'll get to it when I'm your age in about 20 years. Oh my God, I'm, I'm so old. <laughs> I, I have to take a, an RMD, somebody told me. My, my, my money, my financial guy said, you know, uh, now you have to do, take an RMD. I go, what the hell has that got to do with hemorrhoids? That sounds like a procedure that I don't want to go through. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the IRS starts taking money that you didn't pay tax on and put in a 401k. And now it's time to pay the piper. That's pretty much what I make in the RMD. So it ain't fun. It's better than going to the dentist. But it's, uh, you know, and it's nice, I guess you have it to give it. But um, yeah, I never used to like to listen to my or read my closing arguments. When it's over, the jury tells you whether you win or lose and then get on down the road. But, um, you know, the, the is one that stuff, thing, though, but, let me ask you this. Is that stuff uh, on public record or not? Well, uh, no, most of it's not. And most of it uh, uh, was never like court TV. Now, I suppose if court TV had come in or there was a murder trial in Jacksonville that was on that somebody was um, videotape coverage of TV, but I wouldn't know how to find it. I mean, it would be it would be uh, it would be probably really depressing for me to listen to it going how the hell did you ever win? What, what in the world were you talking about? But uh, it's like this podcast. What the hell are you talking about? Uh, so where, where are the files of a lawyer that's retired? The uh, Well, they diminish every, you know, when you're in the firm, you got to ethically keep them. So, so Uretsky and Maher have storage sheds that are, that, are, that are still in existence, even though the firm isn't. Now, I wouldn't know how to get them. We had an office manager that I guess you go call. So the, all the, we have to keep the files for like seven to 10 years and then you can destroy them, but they're out there, but interesting, you know, a bunch of DVDs that you could watch and laugh about. What the, what, what was that question about the, not like the concise, precise, beautiful language of Kashan and Uretsky on these podcasts. Mm-hmm. And like, we Not can't even, even talk about baseball because there ain't any. There's nothing going on. You said, uh, why are you in fact, we, we, created, we created the show that I'm doing thinking that, you know, half of this, well, our original idea was because I cover the Bucks and Brewers that half of our, we, we'd split the podcast basically in half for coverage time, maybe throw in a Packer. Um, but it hasn't, we've done very, very, very little, if any baseball, because nothing's going on, but so, I keep running into some of the people that, uh, I'm associated with from, from the ballpark and stuff. And in fact, I, I ran into two different people from two different departments, um, last night at the Bucks game, they came by and said, hello. And one of my first questions after happy new year and how you doing, um, is, are you still over at the ballpark and are you still going full force for your preparations for 2022? And they said, yes, there's like no hesitation inside the building. Um, there's no worry. They're confident things are going to work out. Um, but it's also at a point where it's not deadline time either. So it's still early January. So I think come ground our day, it ain't going to open there, you know, Players aren't going to trickle in to start hitting in Maryville or wherever the heck the Brewers training camp is. 
And I think on uh, opening day, there won't be baseball. That's, <clears throat> I, I think that. Now, why do you say that? I think there are enough owners that don't want it. And then you got the Scherzers and the Borises that are just saying stupid stuff. You know, like Scherzer's going, number one thing I agree with them is that there isn't any real desire on every team to want to win and that they, quote, uh, tank. Well, the payroll uh, situation is so unequal. But, you know, I start thinking most of these guys don't care if they win. They just want to make money. Now, the new guys want to win. This guy Cohen wants to win. Ricketts wanted to win. Reinsdorf wanted to win way back when. Antanasio wanted to win. Then you win, and it's like, wait a minute. I'd rather, you cannot believe that what the, this company, Fanatics, they started out quietly. They started buying the, the rights to the hat, the rights to the shoes, the rights to the uniform. They just bought out Topps Trading Card because they got the licensing agreement to do trading cards. Well, guess why it's flying? Because the owners and the players union get an equitable position in the corporation fanatics. It's like they're, they're making money on gambling, hats, shoes, uniforms, billboards, TV, you name it. These guys are making a ton of money. And it's how much money can we profit? I, I just, yeah, so for for the stuff that's coming out of Scherzer's mouth and some of these other guys, like, you know, it's not me that I'm worried about, but it's, it's the other players, you know, the second class free agents. And it, well, it, some yeah. of that stuff is, is hard to uh, hard to swallow and absorb because, you know, some of the guys that, that you're talking about, obviously, I mean, we're, we're going to be uh, talking along the same line here. They they re-up their contracts before the before the lockout. Sure. So to me, I, I think that's a large portion of, of lip service because w- what's going to happen if if they're locked out uh, on February 14th? Let's just say that's the report date to, for everybody to go to spring training. It's usually mid-February. Um, you know, how are these how are these guys that have these $50 million a year contracts? you know, going to be helping it. I mean, they can't, I mean, because like you just said, uh, you just painted this really rosy picture with uh, fanatics and everyone sharing stuff. And so my question to you, lawyer would be what, what's the problem then if everyone's happy and making all that money, who in the world could be putting up such a stink that we wouldn't have baseball when we should have baseball. Well, and as you and I have talked, I think the one answer to that is Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York. They're tired of subsidizing Milwaukee, San Diego, Pittsburgh, Detroit. They're tired of this luxury tax where they have to kick back money to these other teams that are also enjoying equity positions and fanatics and gambling and da, 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 da. So, you know, they all, everybody wants to make money and Scherzer. Now, Scherzer would have a little credibility if he signed a contract. I was offered $43 million a year, but I'll tell you what, because of the second-class free agents, if I take $43 million a year, there's not much left for anybody else. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sign a contract for $20 million, and if they don't spread my money around to all my 
the poor little Lindor and some of the other guys on my new team, then I'm not going to play. I'm going to strike or I'll quit. Now, he, it's never, never happened. I mean, Drysdale and Koufax came the closest where those guys were going to strike if the, if they didn't get the same pay. But by and large, you know, he was a second-class guy. So I looked up Ian Happ, who I think is a second-class chump, who I've been on forever. Why the Cubs? He must be married to one of to, or Ricketts' relative. So he's made $5 million in five years. He's never hit over. He had 250 one year. So I looked at another inf, another guy in a small market because Happ's in a big market. I looked at Lorenzo Cain. You know, it just shows Hap makes uh, $400,000 one year, the same year Lorenzo makes $14 million. And you go, well, why? Because he produces. I mean, it's, it's just, it's not rocket science. If you produce, they're going to pay. You know, and Keynes hit 315, 310, 280, 240, 300. I mean, the guy signs a nice kind, and, you know, that's low Kane. In Milwaukee, um, Yelich in Milwaukee. I don't know because it's just they're going to moan and groan, and you've, we've talked about four, and then they'll say the same stuff: "We want more money. It's not equitable." And the play, the owners will go, "It's our show," and then the players will go, "Well, you don't have a show without us," and they jack around, and then they all of a sudden a breakthrough, and <laughs> they settle the contract. I know, I, and it's so it's hard fun. to think that that's not going to happen, um, and. and you know, I'm <clears throat> I'm certainly not privy to any any information and um, beyond just speculation at this point. And you know, I, I try to for as long as I've been in in this in this field of broadcasting and covering these teams, I try to uh, first and foremost just to get a good pulse for how the history of all this goes. Right, and I am not sensing the. I know there's a certain level of bitterness, but I'm not sensing the bitterness of we're going to, we're going to stop play or we're, we're sticking stakes into the ground and we're not letting anybody cross this line anymore. I, I, I just don't sense that. Um, Cause I think a lot of the things that, you know, you brought up and we've talked about are, are definitely things of concern, but I think it's also, we've we've run this latest bargaining agreement to the end and now certain sides think some new things could happen and i'm not sure those things are going to happen i think the only thing that's probably going to end up happening is like it does every year every two or three years networks are going to fork up more money than they did the previous time that's true and they're going to go and and i I, do, I will never see how in the world is entrenched as baseball is right now with um, who's making money and who's making guaranteed money, uh, how that how that's going to change. I, I just don't see it. So right. I, I think if nothing else, if the if the Los Angeleses and the Chicago's and the New York's uh, are fed up with you know, luxury taxes and stuff. Well, guess what? Maybe, maybe the Milwaukee's, the Kansas cities and uh, all the small market teams won't be trading pitchers to you anymore. How about that? 
you know, how about how about just thinking along the line of they if certain cities can't afford to keep guys, what do they end up doing? They they package up a big deal so, so the big city guys can get them. It's another farm feeding system, and it always has been. So to bitch and moan about that, you know, to the point of well, we're not going to play baseball, I just don't see it. No, I don't either. And I, and I think both sides are making too much money to have it go very far. Um, oh, for sure they are. But for the, sure they uh, are. But the, you know, the, the scary thing is the MLP, the Players Association has a new guy and um, he's got Scott Boris breathing down his neck and he's afraid of him. Manfred, the real problem isn't, in my opinion, it's not players versus the owners. It's the owners versus the owners. And, you know, we're not privy to those those meetings, those negotiations don't ever come out. But I guarantee that the, that the owners, uh, some owners have got to think that the competitive balance sucks. I mean, it doesn't, but do they care? I, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. But well, no, I, I I guarantee you they do. I guarantee you they do, and I guarantee you this is this is definitely part of it. But but what they're going through here's the hard part. What they're going through and what they're what they need to have get done is virtually incomprehensible for the rest of us. Um, it it right. just is, uh, and not not probably for somebody like you because you're a smart guy. And you've had you've got some history in this more so than other people. Um, but I think for for the rest, that's what makes it hard. And that's what makes people. Ju- it's just too easy for the average fan to say, I'm done with this. I'm not going to spend any money anymore. I'm not going to watch this stuff anymore. I'm not going to spend money to even watch it on my TV anymore. You know, and, and I think to me, that's the ultimate shame of what happens in a, in a sport that, you know, used to be, I mean, let's face it for the bottom line, for how you grew up, especially and how I grew up, uh, baseball and sports was free to watch anyway, you know, and, and on TV, I mean, or listen on the radio. I mean, yes, you had to pay a ticket to, to go see a game and stuff, but the, that stuff has changed so much, but the whole the whole thing of just having the option of watching stuff for free and being a part of something for free anymore is is been dead for a long time. Yeah, I, I tell you what, it's just as the price goes up, the attendance goes up. You know, the last strike, the fans rebelled, and then Sosa and McGuire went at it, and you know now they're treated like, especially Sosa, like they have. Uh, COVID or something. <laughs> they have other things uh, inflicted in their bodies that they're trying to get rid of. Yeah, uh, well, what uh, Hall of Fame? I, I love the Hall of Fame stuff. I was so excited that Minoso got in. That was great. Buck O'Neill got in. That was spectacular. Why Gil Hodges had to wait, or Mrs. Hodges had to wait so long for Gil Hodges to get in. But what a team that was with Hodges and Duke Snyder and Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson and Roy Campanella. How did they ever, how did, how did the Giants win the pennant ever happen? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it was great in Kansas City for Buck O'Neill. I know they had a big watch party and, and, uh, uh, 
the Negro League Museum is is doing well as a result of Buck, but now the ballots are about to be tabulated for 2022. It's Bonds last year, it's Clements last year, and it's um, oh Kurt Schilling's last year if they don't get in. And it seemed to me that those guys were Bonds and Clemens were about 14% below what they needed. So I don't think they get in. But interestingly, in the new class, what do you think? Like uh, Big Poppy's first year and A-Rat's first year. Well, it, you know, and I, here's the funny thing. I, I've never had a vote on anything. And <clears throat> sometimes I wonder, you know, for a guy that's been doing this for, you know, 22 years how some of these other thousands of voters get get to be who they are right with little some of them do and that's that's you know what that's not a knock it's just almost factual so but i i don't know i'm i don't i don't uh have the opportunity to vote so and i respect the heck out of the guys who have been in this uh business for a long long time that do and and cover the game you know, blood, sweat, and tears more, more than I do. Um, but I know this, and, and I really don't even want to talk specifically about who should be in and who shouldn't at this point. I mean, I, I think we're at a, I think we're at clearly at the point, Jamie, where if, you know, whether you had a perception that you were a cheater or not, um, I think that I think we're coming around to, uh, I'm looking at your numbers. I'm looking at the years that uh, if I'm a, you know, a voter, I'll be able to determine, you know, what I think you did and what I think you didn't do. So I have no problem with any of these guys being in if if the vote says they, they should be in. Um, and I, I go all the way back to I go all the I I. I've been saying this really since the day that Pete Rose was banned from baseball. I've always thought he should be in the hall of fame. So I, I just do. And I, there, there have been, because there have been far more things that have been detrimental than maybe what he did in the game of baseball. And, and we've got guys that are in, so it's just, you know, generations change, philosophies change. Um, so I, you know, I, I wouldn't, at one point I'd like to r- rule out a guy like Barry Bonds, but you know what, in my opinion, I'll always say Hank Aaron's the home run King. And right. you know what? I am a hundred percent fine with that. That's all I need because it's my perception. I don't have a hall of fame vote anyway. So it's my perception that Hank is the home run king, period. I'm knocking okay. stuff down. So I don't think I've shown you. I might have sent you a picture. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I've got Hank Aaron's game bat and then a bat that Hank signed for me with his 655 home runs on it or however many. I think that's what he got. I 755. 755. Oh, sure. Hank Aaron fan. <laughs> but he is. And with Rose... I, I was always a hard liner, man. Keep all those guys out. But now with betting on betting on everything, how in the hell do you keep? I even think Joe Jackson ought to get in. Why? He was the best hitter maybe ever in the history of baseball, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. 
another guy that didn't do anything wrong except to have a surgery named after him. Why in God's, and, and I get into the Hall of Fame more than you do, why is uh, Tommy John not in the Hall of Fame? He got 288 wins. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good question. Because you know what? I didn't know that he wasn't. Yeah. And now Jim Cotton. Well, that's probably the worst part, that, that everybody knows his name. And if you did the research, pretty damn successful. 30, but yet he's not in. Yeah. He pitched forever, won 288 games, and uh, he's not in the World Series. So are you in Milwaukee or are you at home? Milwaukee. You know, I was hoping you were going to say you were at home. Because, because you've got more booze there than our bar down the street. I'm just looking. Craig and I are able to do a video while the show is only audio. But, uh, man, there's a lot of empty. What, 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 what's in those bottles, man? Boodles, gin? We've got... Um... We've got the we've got the staples, the basics down. Um, this is uh, this is a uh, bourbon. Yeah. This is obviously made in Wisconsin because the label is um, the Cubs W, but it's got an L on it. Okay, uh, I get it now. I get that's pretty good. Yeah. So that's, that, that's made in Wisconsin. And I thought it was people in Wisconsin can't spell bourbon, so they just put L. <laughs> exactly. Well, after about 10 of those, it's all you need. Oh, that's funny. Oh, no, I've, got so... I've got bourbon. I've got whiskey. I've got Canadian whiskey. I've got uh, gin. I've got uh, um, tequila, vodka. I've got really over there. Huh? I loved, uh, you've really moved in. I loved your you and Pam at the uh, at the Knickerbocker. That was yeah. Nice. We so on Happy New Year, by the way. You never even say that to me when I joined your show. I didn't say that to you. You never. We never exchanged pleasantries. Well, Happy New Year, my friend. Well, we did. We must have before we went live. All we said was, hey, how you doing? Haven't done this in a month or so. I love you, man. You're we don't man. have COVID, thank God. <laughs> so you've got this photogenic mind that's recapping our conversation off the yeah. air. So no, on, so happy new year. And yeah. then on, um, so New Year's Eve day, there was still no snow on the ground in Milwaukee. And I was over here working up uh, some home and road uh, bucks. So I was over here basically for the week. And um, my wife, Pam, came over, we brought the dogs, and we just punkered down here for the week. And uh, one of my boys was in Arizona. Another one went uh, was back up in La Crosse. And so they weren't around anyway. So we hunkered down here. No snow on the ground on New Year's Eve day. Easy to get around. Temperatures were almost 40 degrees, no wind. It was really nice to be outside. And if you think about the time of year up here. So we decided to do, um, instead of doing like the midnight, wait till midnight celebration, we decided to to have uh, a day. So we actually, uh, my place is downtown Milwaukee and we, we walked all over the place and stopped and had a, had a drink here and there and, and something to eat and went to another place and decided to go down to the, uh, to the Nick where our good friend, uh, 
Yeah. Abe Nelson spent his uh, his last uh, moments up here in, in good old Wisconsin. And um, where we, toast, we had two toasts for Davey down in, in, in the bar where he spent a lot of time down there. So, uh, yeah, his, his room was pretty depressing. So he had yeah, to go want, want to go back up there. <laughs> but uh, did you get over to Ward's House of Prime at all? Not not that night. We didn't know. But we, we uh, that was a little too far on our walking tour. Well, you need to tell me your schedule so we can go have a little dinner and see Brian and get a little uh, George Thomas Seaver down our our respective toasting, toasting, toasting. Um, why are you so down on the Bulls? I mean, they're having a good year. It's competitive. They're going to finally be able to play a good game and when they go to Milwaukee on the 21st of January. What, what did, did they cheat or what well I'm, I'm not exactly down on them i just find it uh highly questionable why right now in the nba they are in a power ranking are ranked ahead of the defending world champion milwaukee bucks when the defending champs have all their guys back and and there's like a game separation between the two that makes me a little suspect of big market, small market. Oh, I see. So there you go. You're feeling a little inferiority complex coming out. The brook typical me. Well, just remember, Miller Park slash Fam Field was packed while Wrigley was had a lot of empty seats at the end of the year. So don't give it a small market, big market, a winning market or a losing market. There's no big or small. There's winning markets and losing markets. And look at the Bulls. They go from half the stadium empty to the places packed to the rafters. Why? Because they're winning. The Blackhawks did the same thing. Cubs did the same thing. Brewers, you win. The people come out and want to pay money to go have a $30 hot dog and a cold beer watching the game. And, you know, in the old days, you could take your ticket stub home. Not anymore. Not anymore. I will say this about, about the Bulls. When's the, when was the last year that uh, they won a championship? 98, 99? Maybe. I don't I'm know how many Bulls games you went to after that, but for for almost 20 years, if not 20 years, you still could not get a ticket to a Bulls game. Yeah. And, and to me, because I've been in all the arenas, uh, including Madison Square Garden, numerous times. Um, United Center is, is, has to me always been the best fan base hands down in the NBA for a team that hasn't won anything for over 20 years. So, so if their, if their arena was empty, kind of empty, half empty in the last couple of years, it, it had to be short lived. And Jerry obviously probably said, let's, let's get things changed up a little bit. And, and they have Billy Donovan as their head coach. Highly respected. They made really good moves during the offseason uh, this year to assemble a team. I'm we haven't even played the Bulls yet. The Bucks and the Bulls haven't matched. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I may have to come over and uh, try to pay five hundred dollars for a ticket and take you. I'd take your money. I was hoping it was <laughs> I was hoping it was like a matinee game we could go to dinner, but it's probably first they only take two hours as opposed to four hour baseball. I think they play in like three weeks. I'm, I'm going to look it up while we while we talk about that because I've got it. January 21st. January 21st. It's January 21st. It's on a Friday night. 
Is that Milwaukee? Is that Milwaukee? I don't think the Bucks come to Chicago until March. I can only play twice. Is that right? Well, the season goes on. Oh, they. I think they play their division foes, so I think you have to play four times. Okay, it probably goes on until July. <laughs> well, it's only supposed to go on until middle of April. Okay. Um, well, maybe I'll uh, I'll venture over and bug you on your pregame and postgame doing the Bucks. But the um, last time I was at United Center, it was with Nelly. Really? So that shows you how. We, my buddy, another buddy, Stoney, a frequent listener to the lighter side of baseball, Stoney had folding chair seats on the second row on the floor at the free throw line, not the top of the key, but at the free throw line. And so we took Nelly. And so before the game, you know, we get there a little bit to watch. This was still in the Michael Jordan era. That shows you how long ago it was. So we went there to just watch Jordan take a few jump shots. And who comes up to us who doesn't have as good of seats but the Reverend Jesse Jackson? And, really? And, of course, you know, Nellie, he's friend to everybody and friend to, you know, presidents and prime ministers and yacht teams and wine guys. So he and Jesse all of a sudden are over, you know, in the aisle with their arms around each other huddling how Dave can – you know, help the rainbow move or something. I mean, that's just amazing. It's typical Nelly. So, you know, it's so fun, man. He used to tell so like, I remember, uh, that's funny. You mentioned that because I don't know how many times he'd be up here and he might have a rare weekend off or something. I go, Davey, what you going to do this weekend? You're not working. Well, pal, partner, I'm going down to Chicago. I got a buddy down there who has a yacht. I'm bringing a case of wine and he's taking me out on the water. We're going to have a party out there. And for the longest time, I always thought it was you and your yacht. No yacht. I know no who it was. It, the yacht was a, like a 25 foot sailboat. And the first time we go out on it, my wife Kay had to tell the skipper how to get back to his port. That's. So, oh boy. That was uh, that's old Tommy, uh, Commodore Tommy. That uh, God love him. That was uh, Tommy was a great guy, but Tommy roomed with Nelly when Dave was the coordinator of the uh, minor league system for the Oakland A's. So Dave was in Arizona. Tommy was a student at Arizona State, and he also was a bartender. And of course. Nellie, this all makes sense if you know Nellie, as we do. He uh, went into the bar one night, and here's this 22-year-old kid mixing margaritas. They start talking. Nellie goes, I need a place to stay. And Tommy goes, I got an extra room in my house. And boom, there they were. Shocker. Fast fast friends forever. That was in that storyline more than once, that's for sure. (laughs) <laughs> God love Nelly. He had he had a he had uh, no loss for good times. That's for sure. I'm sure he had other stuff going on in Chicago, but uh, we won't go there. Anyway, that anything else that's fun to talk about besides the booze on your mantle and your cool digs there? It's not the Knickerbocker. I mean, I I think that um, <clears throat> I think you should get into the video world of uh, podcasting myself. So. 
Uh, that way you could kind of show off um, all your Hall of Fame collections that you've got going on behind you. And, you know, not too many people, not too many people. Um, I mean, look at this. Not too many people your age build a new house and have 95% of its center on baseball memorabilia. So I applaud you for that. The other is wine. So I'm oh, then there's wine. Yeah. That's in the basement, though, right? In in your uh, you know, in your wine locker down there. Got a, I've got a couple wine lockers, one in the basement, but one in my office that I'm looking at. And you know, I I pirated all of Nelly's stuff, so I'm looking at a, a bottle of GTS signed by Seaver today, a red stitch by Dusty Baker, and then a Letson. Who you know you you know more about Letson than I do, but he he would uh, bottle certain wine for certain people, and this this is Dwight Clark making the catch, um, the catch. Oh, neat, yeah. And it's signed by Dwight Clark. So, and then there's an Orlando Cepeda now. Um, so, are these collect are these collector items for you? Would you ever uncork them? Probably, yeah. But the last time I uncorked one, Seaver signed a bottle of wine for me that obviously David gotten. You, Jamie, best wishes, Tom Seaver. One Thanksgiving, the gang was all here, all the kids, all their girlfriends, and we went through about 14 bottles of wine, including that bottle of wine, which I promptly, for some reason, I cleaned up that day and threw away the bottle of Seaver wine. No, oh, you're kidding. Yeah. So, I don't know about <laughs> 14 bottles of wine later, that would make you kind of do that. Oh, brother. But um, what's the oldest? What's the uh, oldest wine you've had? Um, you know, there's a bottle of, uh, I think the oldest stuff I've got right now is like from 67, 68 and it had to be Dave's, you know, it probably tastes like nothing, probably horrible, but he's got a few that are from the seventies. I've got a couple from the seventies, but I, I mean, I'm more, uh, so what, so, okay. Let me rephrase the question. What's the, what's the oldest bottle of wine you've uncorked and sipped? Probably one of those 1970s. How was it? Like, I don't know how old, like, what's the shelf life of when you say you're, you're uh, getting fine like wine or whatever? Yeah, it depends on the, it depends. Now, this is a question for Nelly. I'm not that, I'm not the wine guy like Nelly. But like, if you had a, 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 a well-corked bottle of, uh, Cabernet uh, from 1990s, it would be good still. Yeah. Probably getting to the end. And I've got a bunch of 94s and 95s, and, and um, you know, I haven't kept them like Nelly. You know, he had his wine lockers forever. I've had half of his wine sitting in my car driving across state lines and then leaving it in my townhouse with the temperature 80 degrees. <laughs> It's, you know, it ex the cork expands and contracts, and the wine seeps out. And it, he could explain it. We'll we'll know more when we see Nelly next time. Hopefully not. For, the, soon. for those of you who don't know Nelly, I'm not going to go into it, but I think most everybody listening to the show. I think everybody who listens to this knows knows Dave Nelson, David Earl, David Earl. God love him. Thank yeah. you all about. But anyway, all right, my man. I'm going to come to Milwaukee. I'm going to track you down. I owe you dinner. And uh, 
we'll go to Wendy's and then when we when when we flip and you buy dinner, we'll we'll go to you know where. <laughs> just, just like it always is. But now you like the frosties. Gotta make sure gotta make sure that uh I pause this. All right, folks, you heard it. Craig Kashan, Jamie Oreski, live on the lighter side of baseball. We didn't talk much baseball because there's not any baseball to talk about. But we'll get Craig back when he has a day off from his broadcasting responsibility. So for Craig Kashan, this is Jamie Oreski saying be safe. Hopefully you're somewhere you can hit it down the middle and uh, nothing but fairways and greens. Later. (laughs) 